Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Carry On, brought to you by Nation's Finest, where our mission is to support America's military veterans and their families with a comprehensive approach to housing, health, and employment that helps them to achieve self-sufficiency and reach their full potential. If you or a veteran you know needs help, or if you'd like to make a donation, please visit nationsfinest.org or call 833-468-9676. Again, that's nationsfinest.org or call 833-468-9676. I'm your host, Mark Miller, Army Veteran and Communications Director for Nation's Finest. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about how the uh, Veterans Administration and Department of Defense have decided to overturn other than honorable discharges due to uh, service members' sexual orientation. Stephen Hernandez is here to talk with us about that today. He enlisted in 2007 as a military police officer and served on active duty from 2007 to 2011. After that, he served in both the California and Oregon National Guard. He also uh, has a Bachelor of Science in Sociology from Portland State University. While attending Portland State University, Stephen took on a leadership role both in the veteran community and the gay community. Through those leadership roles, he participated in a panel discussion to mark the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which influenced his decision to become involved with social justice issues, specifically homelessness. Since 2015, Stephen has been working with, the v with VA-funded programs that assist veterans experiencing homelessness. He's now the site director for Nation's Finest Sacramento, overseeing housing programs for homeless and at-risk veterans. Stephen lives here in Sacramento with his husband, Nick, and their Yorkie Terrier, Yorkie Terrier named Woodson. Stephen Hernandez, thank you so much for joining us on Carry On today. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. I really appreciate you being here. So we really want to kind of jump right in. We know all the great things you do for Nation's Finest as a site director and helping helping all kinds of veterans who are at risk, homeless, and uh, doing all the great things you do out there in Sacramento. But we want to focus in today on... Uh, on a recent development from the VA and the Department of Defense uh, upgrading uh, LGBT discharges that, that may have left some folks um, with a, a less than honorable discharge and, and how that's being updated. But before we get into all that, let's, let's go back in history a little bit. You enlisted in 2007, which was during the, uh, the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy. Can you share with us a little bit what the environment was like back then and what it was like for you at the time when you first joined the military? Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, I enlisted in 2007. Uh, don't Ask, Don't Tell was very much in place. Uh, you know, for me, it wasn't anything that was kind of outside of the realm of how I moved through my day-to-day -day life or moved through the world, uh, you know, on the whole. Um, when I enlisted considering my my own personal sexual orientation or or where I fall along the queer spectrum was not anything that I had really given a lot of thought into. Um, the idea of queer identifying service members amongst us, you know, it was it was something that, you know, we all knew was there, but you just like don't ask, don't tell and apply. It's not anything that we talked about. There was you know, definitely reprimand or repercussion for 
um, people who uh, maybe made disparaging comments towards queer identifying folks, right? Um, kind of in the sense of it almost being seen as uh, people trying to provoke queer identifying individuals. Um, that was really the extent of any kind of like disciplinary things that I really saw. Uh, for me, it was kind of this thing where I had to reconcile two, two truths, right? There was here I am, this queer identifying individual who wanted to serve in the army, wanted nothing more than to be in the army, and I finally got to be there. Um, and knowing that my attraction to men or, or me wanting to be in a relationship with a man had no bearing on how well I shot my M4 or you know how well I knew the, the soldier's creed or anything along those lines that I was expected to learn um, and carry with me through my military career. Um, what was difficult for me to kind of navigate and traverse, and I assume it's gotten better in the time that I've gotten out, is uh, the way humor is used in the military. In large part, um, it's misogynistic, it's homophobic, it's demeaning towards, generally speaking, at least from my experience, men who identify as being gay men. Um, it's, it, it, it seemed to kind of harbor a them versus us kind of spirit and mentality um, where the queer identifying folks such as myself were in a place that we couldn't say anything. We, we couldn't, you know, tell the NCO above us that, hey, you saying whatever joke you're making about queer folk isn't actually funny. It's really disparaging because that would have put us on a radar. Um, and uh, I, I think for, for me, it was very much a place where I didn't necessarily feel afraid day in or day out while I was doing you know, my, my job that I had while I was in the military. But I did, I was very painfully aware that telling people that they were doing something that offended me or potentially offended the battle buddies around me was something that would have put me on a radar in a way that I didn't want to be. Um, and I, I think that as Don't Ask, Don't Tell went away, um, it left me in a state of really not being sure how to function in the military. In that, was I still supposed to laugh at queer jokes because I wasn't gonna get in trouble anymore? Or was I now at a place that I was allowed to say like, hey guys, knock it off? Um, it was, it was weird. It was, it was, in a, it was like a secondary learning curve, kind of like you get in basic training or AIT. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that was my experience with it. <laughs> That's an interesting perspective. So a lot of it wasn't so much fear of reprisal or, or maybe indirectly, but a harder time stepping up and saying, hey, your comments are kind of disparaging or your comments are offensive to me and you were in a position where you couldn't stand up and say that because those being offended were in a category of you're not allowed to talk about that status. So I, I'm sure you were not the only one uh, experiencing that, uh, that conundrum there. So let's move forward. You touched on it a little bit already, but um, you were actively serving in the military when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. 
So it sounds like, like you just said, that was a bit of a learning curve. But, <laughs> but what did you see? What did you see change immediately? What did you see that didn't change immediately? And you know, what could you walk us through that a little bit of of what that was like when when the act was repealed? Yeah, uh, I had a really great um, uh, uh, platoon sergeant. Gosh, I don't know why I forgot that word all of a sudden. Sorry about that. Uh, I had a great platoon sergeant who. Uh, when it was official, it went away. Um, he went up on a stage, and I'll make this a little less colorful, but his general message was, if you're a man who's attracted to men, shut the hell up into your job. If you're a woman who's attract attracted to other women, shut up into your job. Um, and so in, in that way, kind of the, the expectation of what going to work looked like um, didn't really change for me. Uh, it was interesting to see senior leadership recognize the fact that mm, what was okay the day before, you know, insofar as the way you make comments or the way you address people based on your assumption of their orientation, it was completely and totally okay. And then the very next day it had to stop because the army said so. And I will say that the senior leadership around me made no qualms about that transition. It was very clear that if you weren't on board with that transition, go see the CEO and they'll show you your way out. Um, I think administratively, that was the thing that changed in the most positive way that started to make folks feel a little more comfortable. Um, I, I think what didn't change was kind of this questioning of like, is, is this entrapment? If, if we start talking about you know, our sexual orientation, where we start talking about our partners that we still weren't allowed to marry at the time. But is is this going to be something that now you're going to judge us more harshly on a PT test? Is this going to be something that if, you know, we we miss a land nav course uh, benchmark, is it going to be, oh, it's because you're, insert problematic nomenclature here, right? Um, and I think that they did a really good job of making those changes on the surface level. But when you delve deeper into it, the, the culture in the military of it being a good old boys club for the most part, at least in perception and the way that, you know, you hang out and with non-commissioned officers and, and I've never been a commissioned officer, so I don't want to speak to that. Um, but you know, you, the, 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 the cultures, the joking, the, the things that are deemed funny, those didn't change. They just became uh, deemed more problematic, which I think was a, a good start. And I do know by the time I transitioned out of the military, which was in, excuse me, which was in 2016, um, the EO courses and SHARPS trainings all started to kind of, uh, to, incorporate more verbiage about how those things impact queer communities um, or queer service members, not necessarily community, but the service members. Um, and the military has seemed to do a lot to turn around uh, the, the kind of sweeping under the rug of what this particular group of people have felt like. And so I got to see that. Um, change and when i was getting out of the military um 
it was at a point where they were actually starting to allow trans folks to openly serve, not just gay and lesbian, but really expanding more opportunities um, for other members of the queer identifying community. And then that had a little bit of a damper put on it. And now we're hopefully going back to that trajectory, right? But I, I think what I saw change was at least the facade of how senior leadership was willing to react and respond when gay identifying service members went to them with a problem. They recognized that regardless of what their opinion was, this is what Department of Defense is telling us to do. And that was something I definitely appreciated at the time. So it, it sounds to me very similar to any other change in the military is, uh, you know, policy changes and senior leaders immediately are like, this is the policy. This is the way we're going to do it. And sounds like the change throughout the entire culture was a little bit slower, even if it, even if it eventually moved toward the direction of full acceptance of policy, culture doesn't always uh, jump right on board with, with policy right away. So it sounds like that was probably the most challenging part. It was, it was also a, a really interesting thing where I would say for the most part, there was not a single person that I served with in the army that could care one way or the other about what I did off hours, right? Uh, and it was, <laughs> it was interesting to see how big of a national issue this was when for the most part, we all knew, right? Like, all right, well, no, we're completely and totally fine because we've established this relationship with our battle buddies. They know we have their back. But, you know, you go to a new unit or you bring in a new NCO, something, you know, can change and make you feel uncomfortable. Um, but in that same spirit, yeah, it, it, it took a while for that change to really implement. But it was made relatively, it was made clear relatively early on that the folks around us who were there didn't care one way or the other. It was great. That that's what I saw in my in my military experience as well was care care more about how you're shooting your M4 and how you're doing <laughs> on your PT test, not about not about folks' personal lives. So I right. I can attest to that as well. So that that was one of the good things. Uh, so so backing up a little bit, you've walked us through what it was like to join during Don't Ask, Don't Tell, uh, being on active duty when when the uh, when the policy changed to repeal don't ask don't tell so let's go back to before the repeal uh, as you're aware many many service members were discharged because of their sexual orientation and just recently uh, they've, they've passed a bill where now DOD and the and Department of Veterans Affairs are now going back and reclassifying um, discharge statuses. So, you know, with, with the possibility of, of an upgraded discharge status to honorable, if, if that's not any, anyone in our audience listening today, if they got less than an honorable discharge because of their sexual orientation during Don't Ask, Don't Tell, could you kind of cover, now, now putting your site director hat on for Nation's Finest, <laughs> could you cover what the benefits are to upgrading a discharge to honorable if someone's out there listening and says yeah i got another than honorable discharge it was 15 years ago whatever it's in the past i've moved on could you kind of go over real quickly what those benefits are and and why someone might want to look at getting an up, upgraded discharge if they're eligible for it 
Absolutely. And and not to, you know, do the semantics thing, but to be clear, it was about 13,650 service members who were discharged other than honorable simply for being attracted to somebody of the same sex um, and being willing to share that with people, right? Like that's almost 14,000 people, a uh, huge number. So that having been said, um, the, the, the great thing about having the opportunity to go back and appeal a discharge is it opens the door for compensation benefits, right? If you are a service member who really severely injured their backs or during a, a, a training mission, and you also have an OTH or another honorable discharge in the grant or in the narrative for that is homosexual conduct or anything akin to that. Um, the fact that this can change means now that that service member can be assessed um, and potentially receive compensation and disability compensation from the Department of Veterans Affairs, something that they haven't been able to access up until now. Um, same with education benefits. If you were an other than honorable discharged service member and your narrative for separation is homosexuality, you now would have the opportunity to go to school. Um, and allow the VA to assist with that. Um, it opens the doors for um, service members to use a VA home loan to be able to purchase their own home. Uh, it, it, keeping in the spirit of, you know, nation's finest and site director hat and all that fun stuff that you mentioned previously, I will say for the programs that nation's finest offers as far as like the rapid rehousing programs or homeless prevention assistance programs, as long as you don't have a dishonorable discharge, you are eligible for those programs, at least on veteran status. There are other criteria that need to be met, but insofar as discharge status is concerned, as long as it's not dishonorable or court-martial with bad conduct, then you would be eligible for services based on your service record. So there's good news there. Um, so that's, that's great information right there. So yeah. As long as you don't have a dishonorable discharge, a lot of what we do at Nation's Finest, helping at-risk veterans, homeless veterans, low-income veterans, a lot of that just requires you don't have a dishonorable discharge. But you hit on some big ones there that do require an honorable, honorable right. discharge, like a VA loan, GI Bill, and like you just mentioned, disability benefits as well that, that sometimes... Depending on the situation, your uh, your discharge status definitely matters there as well. So, sounds like a lot of good reasons to uh, <laughs> to pursue an honorable discharge if, if you're able to do so. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, now let's take it to the next step. Uh, let Let's say someone was discharged uh, just just on sexual orientation or or something uh, connected to the "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" policy. Uh, and, and they're sitting with an other than honorable discharge, um, what what can they do? What steps can they take? And I, I know that Nation's Finest might not action this directly, but it, if someone were to call us, uh, what what can we do to help folks to to start processing that, that discharge upgrade? Yeah, so all of the case managers in uh, Nation's Finest field offices, regardless of where they are, right, whether it's Sacramento, Vallejo, Menlo Park, they should all be familiar with who their VSO is or County Veteran Service Officer. Uh, the County Veteran Service Officers can assist folks in appealing discharge upgrades or applying for discharge upgrades, as can the VA. Um, <clears throat> that would be a process of speaking with somebody at the VA uh, 
in eligibility and enrollment to be able to get that process started. Worth noting though, um, according to the VA, because I did get to read about this topic just a little bit, uh, the VA said so long as quote, discharge service members records do not implicate a statutory or regulatory bar to benefits, upgrading your discharge may make you eligible for benefits that you have not previously been eligible for. So basically what that means is if your discharge narrative in this case is it's an other than honorable discharge and the narrative on your DD-214 simply says because of your sexual orientation, that should be according to what we're seeing from the VA and what we're seeing from the Department of Defense enough to upgrade your discharge as long as there was not any other uh, adverse comments <laughs> uh, affiliated with your narrative. Um, so I think I, <clears throat> yeah, it would. Sure. So it, it sounds like, okay, you know, the VA is pretty much saying if you had another than honorable discharge purely based on the sexual orientation, we're not, we, the, the VA is going to go ahead and, and probably reverse that likely a slam dunk. If there's other stuff in there related to, uh, you know, actual misconduct like uh well you know violence drugs whatever whatever it may be that might be more of an uphill climb and and the action behind all this to to find out sounds like veterans could go straight to their county vso they could go straight to the department of veterans affairs or they could uh they can come to nation's finest for a bit of an azimuth check if uh if going straight to any of those agencies isn't working out and they they need to find Find the right point of entry, point them the right direction, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Great to know. So uh, so we've talked a little bit about the, the history of what's all behind, you know, formerly the don't ask, don't tell policy, the repeal of it, and now the, the recent update to, uh, to discharge status upgrades, uh, potentially for, for, like you said, what, what was that number again? Almost 14,000 veterans? Uh, yes, it was almost 14,000. It was 13,650 between 1994 and 2010. And, and those were the ones discharged just purely because of sexual orientation. So uh, look, looking at that, looking at how relevant this is, uh, what, what are your closing thoughts for our audience, for our listeners? What do you want to live, you know, leave them with today with, uh, with the recent update and, and all the history behind these policies? You know, I would leave it as um, hmm. being told that you're not welcome in a club such as the military because of the person that you choose to love or the person that you choose to be with doesn't negate the fact that you put in the work to get those benefits and that you were willing to put your name on that dotted line also. And if you are somebody who falls into this category I know that it can be intimidating or scary to kind of go and confront the same people who told you that you were less than and not deserving of, but I would want you to know that if you were to reach out to any of the nation's finest offices and let them know that you are somebody who could benefit from having this discharge status upgraded, Every single person within Nation's Finest would do whatever they could to help you to get to where you want to be because we all recognize that despite 
whatever the military may have told you between 1994 and 2010, um, you are deserving and you do belong there. I think that's a terrific way to sum it up. First of all, you earned the benefits just like everyone else. You signed on the dotted line like everyone else. Uh, so no matter what fear, embarrassment, or uh, whatever else may have built up over the years, back in your time in the military, uh, sounds like you're saying, take a second look at that, reach out to us, we'll help. And uh, there, there's a lot of other help out there as well. But it sounds like if I'm not hearing you wrong here, Stephen, you're saying don't leave benefits you've earned on the table because uh, they're now on the table and uh, policies have been corrected. Is that is that pretty pretty much right? 100% what I'm saying. Awesome. Well, that, that is a great message to everyone out there. If you're in that boat, give us a call. Give your local VSO a call. Whoever, you, you can use us. You can use someone else. But go get those benefits that, uh, that you earned and you're entitled to. So, uh, Stephen Hernandez, thank you so much again for joining us today. Really appreciate your insights, your guidance, and, and all your, uh, your wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for sharing with us today and uh, providing great content for our audience. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. And thank you to all of you who joined us again today. We'll be back next week discussing issues relevant to veterans and those who care about them. Again, if you or a veteran you know needs help, or if you'd like to donate, please visit nationsfinest.org or call 833-468-9676. Again, that's nationsfinest.org or 833-468-9676. Thank you again for joining us today. And as always, carry on.